the best voice for us is our inner voice, period. You know, the world can be against you and tell you, good, that's, but if your inner voice is telling you or is talking to you, something doesn't feel right, you must listen and follow that voice. Hi, and welcome to the Endo Babe podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Bree. I'm an ultrasound tech turned endometriosis coach, positivity and self-love advocate, a seven on the Enneagram, and I am a proud dog mom. And I'm on a mission to help you live more positively with endometriosis and be happy in your body. On the Endobabe podcast, we're going to dive deep into all things endometriosis, mindset, self-love, health, and so much more. This is a badass podcast for badass endobabes, and I want you to leave this podcast feeling inspired and empowered on your own health journey with more confidence and the belief that you too can have more good days than bad. Are you with me, babes? See you in the podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Endo Babe podcast. Today, we have the beautiful and wonderful Monica Beavis. She is a fertility coach, an IVF warrior, and I'm just really excited to have her on the podcast today. Just really, we're going to be chatting a little bit about fertility and how to really get your body set up for pregnancy. Um, so welcome, Monica. Hey, well, Chelsea, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, an honor. It's a pleasure. Uh, as you mentioned, I am a fertility coach. Um, I became a fertility coach from my own journey through infertility. Um, then, you know, I kind of expand my knowledge, like certifying myself with, with that because there is so much into into our niche that can be, you know, learn and apply into our lives to improve our fertility. So I truly appreciate your invitation to be a guest in your podcast. Yeah, of course. And you're so right, because there is, I don't know, I know, especially for myself and a lot of my clients, like you Google things, you know, and like oh. that just adds so much more stress trying to like pin, like pull things together and figure out like what is actually going to work for your body, you know, and I mean, that's kind of why I got started in coaching as well, because of my struggles with endometriosis and I'm not wanting anybody else to go through what I went through, you know, just making it easier for women to really learn to live well with endo. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to dive in. So let's kind of give everybody a little background of who you are and how you got started in doing what you're doing now. Perfect. So, okay. So um, I originally born in Colombia. Um, in the capital, Bogota, uh, but I lived 18 years ago here in the States, in the state of New York. Uh, I am married for actually 18 years, and I have two girls. Both of them are uh, in vitro fertilization uh, girls. Uh, unfortunately, I had, or oh, I still have, endometriosis, uh, as well as you and so many women uh, in our, you know, community that suffer from that. And it's a silent disease. We didn't, you know, I didn't know that it exists. I, you know, nobody told me, nobody told my mom that a painful period, a heavy period, uh, something like even can come with fainting from the pain is normal and it's not normal. So, you know, when I was young, I honestly didn't think about getting married or having children until I met my husband. And my husband came with my stepdaughter. She was one year and four months and then kind of inspired me to start a family. So we start right away. And I come from a very fertile family from my mom's side. We They were 18 kids from the same dad and mom. We are 243 cousins. That There is some that I don't know. And all of, all of my cousins, they used to get pregnant with the blow of a kiss. So I was like, I'm going to just try and next month my period is not coming. I'm pregnant. That's it. You know, like I kind of take it for granted. But it didn't happen. So we tried for six months. You know, what is the routine? You go to gynecologist. They put you on plummy. They tell you try for another six months. If after a year you are not, then we start to see what's happening. And I, you know, after trying to plummy and nothing happened, I kind of make the conclusion. It's a day with me because my, my husband has a daughter. There is no other thing. So we went to do all the tests, everything came normal. And then we go to the physical part. So they sent me to a stereosalpingogram and my both tubes were blocked from the scar tissue that endometriosis can cause. And this is when I really knew that I had endometriosis. I, I walk all my life having normal periods, means every 28 days it was, but they were 
super painful. The flow was like, you know, like you open like a sink and it's just like this. I needed to change so many times a day. Pain. I fainted many times from the pain, like, you know, like losing, losing consciousness. And I was like, but what is this noise? And most of the people would tell you it's normal. You know, a woman will say, I knew this and we tried to open my tubes with laparoscopies, two of them, but it didn't happen. So my only possibility to get pregnant was IVF. I did five cycles of, of IVF. The first one is my now 15 year old daughter, Elia. My second one was a canceled cycle due to a mistake. They switched the charts with another patient, so they gave me the wrong dose, and I got OHSS. They have to cancel it. The third one was my stillbirth baby girl at 39 weeks. It's a belt because I develop a blood clotting issue. And then because of, you know, the devastation of the loss, I just jump a month and a half later into another IVF to try, you know, to have that baby that I'm just, I just lost. Emotionally, I was a wreck mentally too. And I got pregnant, but I miscarriage at seven and a half weeks with all, you know, I didn't even clean my body from the previous IVF. I was with hormones ready just to feed a baby. So it was a mess. Then we almost got divorced with my husband, you know, with all of this, you know, it brings a lot of pressure and anxiety and things in the relationship. And we kind of put a stop and decide, okay, so if we're going to get divorced, what are we going to do? Or if we still love each other, then let's just stop to think about IVF. We have a child. We need to grieve the one that we lost. And we need to work on our relationship. And we kind of came to that agreement and work on ourselves, enjoying our child, enjoying our stepchild, my stepchild, and our relationship for a year. And then a year later, we said, we're going to do a last IVF. And whatever happens, if yes, yes, no, no. And that will be the last thing. If yes, amazing, our girl has a sibling. And if not, we continue life. And that's what happened. And Maya is now, she's going to be eight years old. And all of this struggle, you know, like going through infertility, IVF, stillbirth, miscarriage, almost divorce, uh, then, you know, in my last IVF, I had to take blood thinners, uh, traumatized from the fact that once the baby started to move, if she was not moving, I need to move her because, you know, like I'm going to start to go back to the loss that I had and thinking it's crazy. All of this put me to a place where I said, you know how many women are like me suffering? They feel ashamed. Because I've been there, I felt that my body was failing me. I felt that I was defective. I felt that it was my fault that I lost my child. It was my fault, the miscarriage. It was my fault that I'm infertile, that I all of that. And in that time, 15 years ago, there was no social media like now. There was no Instagram. There was, so when I realized that and I started to see community, I said, this is my call. I, you know, I don't want others to, to walk this path in such an isolation because I've been there. So, and I love it, Shelter. I fall in love with what I do. I fall in love with what I do. I start to learn more. I start to learn about endometriosis. Why? It's so, it's, it's logical. I was like, I don't want my two girls to go through the same. I need to know what is this? Why I got this? Nobody explained my mom because her mother would know, you know, yeah, they knew the basic, nothing. And then my mom is always going to explain it. So I start to understand how it works. And, you know, with my, especially with my 15-year-old, I always tell her, I have a calendar from her periods, from the first one to the last one. And every period I'm asking her, how are you feeling? If you feel pain, how is your flow? She's like, mom, why you ask me that? And I'm telling her, I don't want you to go through this. And I'm here. I wrote a book also from my own journey because IBF is so much test and numbers and stress. And my purpose today is like help as many couples or women as I can to like make them consider IVF as the least choice unless it's necessary or unless after all the tests are done. Because you know, still with some kind of issues, either unknown infertility or either non-fertility. There is so many things that we can learn. And as you see, Shelta, there is a lot of young women, like, like your age, early 30s, even late, late 20s, 
that you guys are having fertility issues and I, you know, I want to become like that voice, that advocate and guidance. That missing chip between the clinic or the doctor itself and us, that is kind of letting go that emotional part because trying to conceive even naturally can be a stressful situation in our lives. That's a little bit about me. Oh, it's so beautiful. You've been through so much and just how you've like risen out of it. Now you're helping other women is I commend you for it. It's, it's a difficult thing to do and it takes a lot of courage to chase, to like see that gap and fill it. Yes, it does. I can't, uh, you know, and I think it's, it's about choices. You know, I, I have learned through, through this journey and I don't judge anyone. I don't judge anyone because uh, we choose either to suffer or to just choose the light and kind of go and, sh- and and chase that, you know. doesn't mean that we need to forget our pain or our uh, struggles, but it's more like to choose that the struggles and through them see the light. But again, if there is like... If there is, this is a very difficult journey. A stillbirth, for example, is something that can be super difficult. And um, when I did and I went through that, I was having crazy thoughts, you know, because the emotional pain is, is so hard. So that's why I'm here. I want to guide as much as I can. But eventually, in the end, we are the ones that choose what path to take. Yeah, exactly. And I love that we choose to suffer, we choose a life and we go chase it. That, I mean, that just hits the nail on the head, right? Because there are so many instances in our life where we do suffer, where we have all of these really hard things that happen to us, right? And in that moment, we have a choice to let that like define us or to like help us see the light to go forward. Correct. That's what it is. Yes, there is, you know, pain exists. I have learned that pain exists, you know, when you when you lose your parent, when you lose your husband, when you that has a name, actually, when you lose a child, no matter what time it is, you know, like what time, what time you are into the pregnancy, a loss is a loss. I always learned it. It's very painful because it has no name. However, it's for me, absolutely okay. And I encourage women and couples that are going through or through struggles, it's okay to feel that pain because it's a mass thing that happened. We are going through something that we need to heal and grieve. What is that we can handle? We cannot control the pain itself, but what we what we can control is how we're going to react to that. So that's why I was telling you, suffering is a choice. And this is what happened, for example, with people that commit suicide. And again, I don't go and judge when a person gets to that point is because that was his last choice. There is, you know, these people, they look for the light in everywhere, but some there is something that eventually they don't, and this is the way out, that, that is their choice. I thought about it when, when, when I was, when I had the stillbirth, but I guess that somehow thoughts and, and certain fears protect me to do it, to not, to not do it, and I'm here. And doesn't mean that I don't feel sometimes a little, you know, sad because of that. It's like a scar, you know, it's there. But I always encourage myself to think, okay, this happened for this reason why I am here. Exactly. And I think, thank you again for sharing all of that with me. I know it's not easy to talk about things like that, but it's everything in what we do isn't really easy to talk about. You know, it's all very taboo. And shining the light on things like that, because you aren't the only one that feels that, you know, a lot of people have those really serious emotions, you know, and like, we're taught from a very young age to not ever really show our emotions, to not talk about taboo topics, to not talk about everything, just keep it really deep inside. Don't cry. Don't be sad. Like, oh, you're fine, you know, and taking a step back and actually like learning how to process those emotions and actually feeling them because grief is grief, whether it's for a child, a husband, a wife, a parent, an animal, a life that you thought that you were going to have, it's still all grief. And you have to like move through that grieving process in order to move forward. And if you don't actually feel your feelings or your emotions, you're going to kind of stay where you are, you know? 
Correct. This is what uh, a lot of people like uh, call toxic positivity. It's like, yes, forget about it. Like, for example, you say something real true. Is like they teach us not to cry, especially to boys, to men. Oh, don't cry. You're a boy. Boys don't cry. Oh, my gosh. I can't take that. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very observant. And sometimes my husband tells me, you need to stop to think too much because you go to observations that they are really like, what? I never thought about it. And then you put the thought in my head and I'm like thinking too much. And But, it, but it's true. And I give you an example for, you know, like today, you see the world is upside down today. It's crazy. So, um, like there is this movement about feminism and extreme, extreme things in life that they are becoming like a brainwash and, and we don't open our mind and say, okay, yes, why there is these things? Why, for example, women is against men today? If we look a little bit deeper, it's because, you know, men was raised in this environment of that you are a man, you are a man provider, you don't cry, you need to be strong, you need to be... So let's find a way to communicate with each other because one cannot live without the other, you know? And, and the same in infertility, there is... For example, I always teach people that in general, even people that is not suffering from infertility, let's be a little bit kind. If you encounter with someone that maybe she looks pregnant, don't ask if she's pregnant because maybe she's not. Maybe she had already the baby and she's just with their weight. It happens to me. And, and it's very sensitive um, Things. We need to learn to be kind, to be sensitive, and to be careful with our words. Doesn't mean not to talk. We just need to be careful with the words that we say. Because some words can be hurtful, especially in our niche, in our community. So we need to be a little bit sensitive and kind and, and find the ways to communicate with others. Yeah, I agree. Communication is key. And it's almost, it's not don't talk. It's think before you talk, you know, like, how would you feel if somebody said that to you? You know, mm -hmm. it kind of goes back to the things that you're taught when you're little. If you don't have anything nice to say, it's not, don't say anything at all. It's why don't you have something nice to say, you know, and like kind of asking yourself these like deeper questions on, okay, like, how would I feel if somebody said that to me? Like, why am I judging this person? Why are these feelings arising in me and kind of going back into yourself? Because we can't, I mean, communication is important. It's just an important thing in life, you know, and communication with yourself that's included in that. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to mention to you, for example, today, I want to speak about our condition. Both of us, we have it, endometriosis. And uh, that's, listen, it's, it's a very, it's a, a silent disease. There's so many women that we suffer from that and we don't even know. So from, from the time that I learned that I had that, which is, it was when I start to try, well, when after I start to try to conceive is when they did the test and all of that, I kind of start to read about it. And uh, I want to, you know, create awareness about that if you are young, let's say you are between 20 to 35 years old, you know, we are, we are in our, in that, that age, our body is producing collagen, it's when, you know, like we kind of blossom, we feel beautiful, our skin is regenerating and all of that. And then as women, we have our periods. Today I have found out that a lot of women, as I was mentioning, mentioning you, uh, in their, uh, from early 20s to let's see late 30s are having a lot of issues with fertility and it's called PCOS, you know, Hakimoto, all of this, but Let's focus on endometriosis. Endometriosis is an inflammation condition that is being caused by periods that are really painful and with a very heavy flow. That's supposedly like kind of scientifically, I'm not a doctor, but that's what I read. And then, you know, when I read that, I'm like considering, wow, I used to have all of that and nobody told me. I remember I used to tell my mom, why is killing me? Oh, it was terrible. And she was like, okay, let me give you a massage. And I'm like, mom, did you have that? Oh, she was like, oh, I had it worse than you. And I'm like, and what did I tell you? No, that was nobody said, you know, it was normal. Well, listen, it's not normal. 
if you let's see when when if you as a woman have already children or don't have children but you are young and you have these symptoms you need to immediately have a voice for yourself and tell your gynecologist or whomever the reproductive doctor that you have as a head doctor and tell them that you want to have tests for endometriosis you want to have that a lot of doctors in the world they are no it's normal go with clomid like they did with me and this is something i tell women and men too when we are going through infertility or when we are trying to conceive so we have our gynecology when we are trying to conceive and then the re when we are on on in vitro or art eventually it all goes to the same we need to have a voice we need to tell them what we are feeling we need to ask for for possible tests or whatever it is that we want to make sure that whatever we think is the problem, if it is a problem, we can fix it or we can treat it on time. And if it is already something that is not fixed, we find out and then we have options to see what we can take. So ladies out there, painful periods, heavy flows, inflammation, unbearable pains are not normal in our menstruation. That's number one. Number two, the fact that we have, some of us, we have a very exact cycle, but it's still painful. It's still heavy flow. It's also not normal. It's a big sign, a big red alert of endometriosis. And the other thing is our periods, our menstruation is something that is not disgusting. It's absolutely beautiful. And this is something I also used to, oh my God, period. We always say, oh, my period. Yes, we get moody because we are women, we have hormones up and down, but we need to learn that this is a blessing. And as we learn that this is, you know, it's a cleanse for us. Guys don't have that. Guys don't have that cleanse. It's a different bodies, different uh, sensations. It's, this is a cleanse for us. It's a, it, go, it works even with the moon, with the cycles of the moon. We go exactly in that way. It's renewal. It's basically telling us that this is life. You know, women, we are we with them with men are creators of life but the ones that bear the life that carry that life that feel it it's us so always see that menstruation that period something beautiful and if it comes with some pain with some inflammation with whatever it is talk to your doctor we must have a voice and i'm going to be very direct we are paying our doctors even if it is through our insurance because we are paying that insurance so always make sure to put in your mind that you are not working for them. They are working for you and to make you feel better and find a solution for whatever problem you have. Yes, they are not God, but they have options. So at the same time, don't come and throw yourself, oh, you are the doctor, you know. Because I have seen, for example, cycles and women with treatments that they are rotating and here and there, and there is never an, an option. So if, And if you don't feel secure with that, change it find a second opinion. Exactly. Now, for endometriosis, there is so many things that we can do, you know, to try to, what, once it's done, you know, like once it's discovered, it's discovered, but we can ease our pain and not everyone that has endometriosis has infertility. So please don't get, you know, scared. I have it because it was so many years. I actually got married at 30 years old, a little late for our culture. So I had it from when I was my first period, like 15 or 16 years old, and it grew, grew, grew. But a lot of women that have endometriosis or PCOS, you ladies can get pregnant naturally when we take, you know, like certain things and do change in lifestyle or have a good doctor or even try. So that's kind of uh, what I wanted to say about endometriosis and what we can do to ease our condition. Yes. Beautiful. I would love to dive into that. And if anybody's listening and they're like, well, I have, I'm relating to everything that Monica is saying right now. Like I, there's so many episodes on this podcast for ways to advocate for better care for different types of symptoms with endometriosis, like templates that you can print off and bring to your doctor's appointments, like how to know when to get a second opinion, like go back and listen to a bunch of those episodes. Um, but yeah, I would love to dive into like if somebody has endometriosis or suspected endometriosis, like what, how would they get their body or how would you recommend that they get their body ready for pregnancy? 
Okay, so first of all, if you have any symptoms, if anyone has any symptoms of endometriosis, the first thing is to express, as I was saying, express that to your doctor. Sorry, Dr. Bach, I know that there is Dr. Chantel, are you going too much? about that the best voice for us is our inner voice, period. You know, the world can be against you and tell you, but if your inner voice is telling you or is talking to you, something doesn't feel right, you must listen and follow that voice. So first of all, tell your doctor, gynecologist, if you are trying to conceive naturally and maybe you had pregnancies before naturally or you just are starting Tell him, listen, my periods are, your periods are regular, but they are heavy and painful, you must say. You know, my periods are regular, I'm happy about that, but they are very painful. My inflammation sometimes, I know, it, there is, I used to be in bed sometimes, in bed. I used to have to, you know, to leave the work and go to the house just to wrap in bed because the pain was unbearable. So you need to tell him, and tell him right away, you know what I've been reading, or I know other women, I think that may, I might have endometriosis and I want to be tested for that. I want an HCG test for my uterus before going into the hysterosalpingogram, the one that they put you the tubes to check if your tubes are blocked. You can even do an x-ray, the HCG, I think it is. And they can check your uterus. Yeah, they can, you know, see your fallopian tubes. That's how they deal with me. And then the HSG. Yes, exactly. And then from there, you can go to the other to see, you know, if your tubes are open, if it has scar tissue. Once you know that, for example, your tubes are open, your endometriosis, you know, can be handled, then you can you can start to try to conceive. Um, you know, most of doctors, sometimes they give us contraceptive pills or certain medicines um, to help with this condition. But what happens is then it, it's create another condition, you know. I am always, I will not say against, but I always am careful that if they're going to give you a contraceptive pill to treat endometriosis, you, you know, try to be careful because some pills can then create PCOS or, or some cysts in the ovaries. It's, yeah, you know, if, if anybody's listening, like birth control does not treat endometriosis. It can help you manage the painful periods, right? And help manage some symptoms, but it's not going to do anything to the endometriosis itself. Um, so yeah. And it's going to put your ovaries into menopause, which makes it even more hard to get pregnant when you do come off it, you know, cause there is, there's this okay. stigma that like, we can just get pregnant right away. You know, they teach us like, don't even look at a boy, you'll get pregnant, like in health class, you know, when we're little. And so we all just think that it's going to be easy. And so we're on birth control for 14 years and don't realize that that's like impacting our fertility a little bit along with the endometriosis. Birth control is a huge impact in our fertility. It's incredible. For example, uh, I, I have friends, right? I have friends that, for example, they start with uh, periods that they were not um, accurate. They were not exact. And what is the best? first thing that they do to these kids, children, 15, 17, oh, let's put you on the period so you regulate the periods. Yes, you regulate the period, but then you start to have cysts in the ovaries, mood uh, swings and all of that. There is, you know, there is holistic ways to do that. Yeah. And, you know, like, a holy, I have a friend that she was, I think, eight years on the pill because her periods were not exact. And she was not feeling well. Yes, it regulated the periods, but again, the inner voice. She was like, you know, I don't feel well. I don't feel this. And eventually she kind of went through the holistic way. Uh, a Chinese holistic doctor helped her. Her period got regulated. Her ovaries got the, the inflammated and she got pregnant naturally. Yeah. You well, know, so many conditions. There's so many conditions. And like, I think it's important to know, like the birth control pill, all of them except for Murina, right? Which keep your ovaries working. Yes. They all shut down your ovaries. And when your ovaries aren't working, like you're not having an actual menstrual cycle. It's not regulating your cycle. It's stopping all of your hormones together, right? It's putting your ovaries in a menopause. The bleed that you have is a withdrawal bleed from taking sugar pills and not the hormones. Um, and so really figuring out ways to like detox these hormones out of your body after you get off of the pill is really important in boosting that fertility as well. Totally agree. And there is another thing that, you know, from, from what you say, I can go into, look, our bodies, we, we humans are so perfect. Our body knows 
everything that happened to it. You know, like when a virus coming onto our body, what is the first thing that our body does? Our, all the, you know, immune system goes and create that protection. You know, so all these seeds, all these uh, abscess, all the things that come out in our body is because they are fighting something in a place that maybe is, is, is not recognizable or is recognizable, but they don't have too much space. Our body is perfect. So I always also recommend that along with whatever you are doing with your medical team, combine it with energetic work. I know that this bit so many, but it works. I have seen it. Meditation and energetic work and alignment is it's very helpful to heal our bodies. Along, for example, with a, a good um, nutrition. And good nutrition does, doesn't need to be vegan. For example, I'm going to be really honest mm -hmm. with you. I was, we were vegan in our home for five years. And lately, especially, it's so funny, after elections here in the United States, I start to see and, and, and dig more into nutrition, into all what happened in the world and all has a connection. So my husband got diagnosed with Crohn's disease too, and we had to quit veganism. Um, and I tell you something, a lot of vegan foods that replace, for example, a piece of chicken or organic egg, so much processed foods in that, that it's, it, if you go and check, Soy, for example, even if it's organic, soy is well known to be super high in estrogen, right? Mm -hmm. And when we put, especially women, when we put more as our our um, hormone, our strength hormone in women is estrogen. We also have testosterone. There's no, you know, we have male and female, that's the balance. But women, for being females, for the way our body physically is, we have less testosterone, more estrogen. So when we put extra estrogen in our bodies, we are causing a big damage. So we have we are going to start to have a fibrocystic breast in the ovary. So we need to be kind of measured. Not go to the extreme of not eating this or I'm not eating that. We need to be like kind of in the middle. So buy organic products, uh, you know, cheese, buy, try to buy organic. If you eat meat, try to buy the one that is feed grass. I, I didn't understood that because there is so much things from the media and outside world that they brainwash you that you don't kind of, we are like, oh, yes, like, I believe that. Yeah. But I always, I, I have learned through, through this time that we need to look into our own benefit, again, from that inner voice. So a good lifestyle in the sense of you don't need to go to the gym every day, but for example, uh, running or walking is super healthy, super healthy, and it helps a lot women like us from endometriosis because it helps to circulate our blood. And remember, what we have there is all blood from years that we didn't pay attention. So that uh, I take a it's it's a secret. Uh, I would say a silly secret or something like that. But I start to discover turmeric, for example, turmeric root itself is an incredible anti-inflammatory. So every month when I when I have my period, Baruch Hashem, I still have it, but probably soon I'm, I'm going to start to be menopausal. <laughs> so I still, my body talks to me, and I guess yours too, especially when we have that endometriosis. So I start to feel my stomach inflammated and a little pain here. So... What I have been doing for about two months ago, I make a shot in the morning that I drink before anything and is turmeric root, two or three pieces of turmeric root, one green apple, um, one lemon peel, and a little bit of ginger. So I put it, you know, in a, like a juice mixer and I drink it every day, even if it's my period close or not every day. And it's such an anti-inflammatory. And I have noticed that since I got my period, you know, I'm going to be very open. The blood is kind of better color. Remember, endometriosis mm -hmm. is a lot of old blood, like purple mm -hmm. and, and, you know, blood clots. That's what the pain comes from. It's a little better color, more pinkish reddish, less blood clots. And the inflammation during that period of time is less. And if I have to take maybe one Tylenol because the pain is kind of unbearable, it's maybe a lot during the five days that my period lasts. 
So whatever, you know, it's natural, Mother Earth, you know, like, for example, you can make um, um, egg whites are kind of good during our period time. And if we have endometriosis during the time that we have exactly our period, if you like eggs, for example, try during that week, so, you know, it's kind of balancing nutrition with our body. So our body is perfect. We, we don't supposed to have this sickness, but again, why we have them? Because nobody else in our generation from our ancestors, they didn't care about that. My grandpa and grandma, they have their chickens there and, you know, they were giving food. It was organic, so pure. Today, the world is changing. So yeah. at the same time, that technology and all of that is changing. So it's also affecting our bodies. It totally does. And what I really hear you saying is like, it's not just one thing, right? It's really focusing on health in all areas and balancing what works for your body and what doesn't work for your body, you know, and really nourishing your body with food, with energy, with the way that you talk to yourself, like all of it is helping you really just live a better life and reducing your symptoms and aimed towards, I don't know, just centered around balance is what I'm hearing. Yes. And, and you know, that balance also uh, has to combine with, for example, levels of stress. So let's face something. I always tell my clients that come to me to coach. The first thing that we need to know when we have a fertility condition like endometriosis, and this is causing us to maybe go through a way to get pregnant that is not the natural way, right there is a stress. So I always approach our journeys in this way because I've been there. It's not easy. You know, when they told me, when they told us that I need to do IVF, I almost died. I was crying. I thought the world is going to end. I thought that I'm not going to be a mom. And my husband was like, excuse me, they're telling us that there is a way. So let's just look to that, you know, part that there is a way. And it's true, you see the chaos. I cannot get pregnant. So I always tell them, if you are going through IVF, that's the path that you have to take. Let's focus. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. You're going to cry. You're going to have doubts. You're going to rant. You're going to curse. You're going to want to give up. You're going to have issues with your partner. If you have a partner or a spouse or whatever, you're going to have issues with your family. If you have family because you maybe don't know if you want to talk over. So let's first do this. It's a process. The first thing is you need to accept that it's not easy. And by accepting that something in our life that comes is not easy, we are kind of right there facing the, the journey. So it's not easy, but I'm not going to let this not easy to, you know, kick my butt and, oh, I'm scared. I'm not going to go there. I'm sorry. You have to go there if it's the only way. That's what I had to do. Another thing, when you feel sad, when you feel frustrated, when the journey is making you feel crazy and hormone, allow that feelings to feel. You have to feel them. You just said everything has a process, a grieving of our parents or our husband, our children, an animal, the grieving of our own sadness. So allow that feelings to feel how if you have to cry cry if you have to curse curse if you have to write them write them if you have a friend that is there always for you for just listening be quiet and you need that do it why because that is the way to let go that is stress on the other hand when they're going to tell you oh think positive don't think negative that is toxic positivity so what we are doing with that is putting aside our negative feelings, you know, like ah, they are there, I'm not going to see them. And I'm going to start just to feed my brain with, I can, I can. It's not going to work because that feelings that you just put on aside, they are there and you are accumulating, accumulating. And what happened when she hits the fan is it's clutching everyone. That's when we accumulate that feelings. So it's always very important to have a way to let them go. And when we, for example, for me crying, I cry to a point that I am forcing the last tear. And when I'm forcing the last tear, I'm like, oh, that means that I'm now empty from all this crap. Give 15, 20 minutes to your cheaty thoughts and negative things that happen to you. Every day something happens that is gonna piss us off, right? So we give that 20, 15 minutes, stick with them and say, okay, I'm feeling like that. So what should I do? I need to cry, cry. I need to scream. Journaling. Journaling is very helpful. That part also in my book, I have a journaling part. 
because during our two-week wait in an in vitro fertilization process, you know what? It's two weeks to know that you are pregnant because you are pregnant. They put you an embryo, you know, but you don't know if it's gonna work. It's a nightmare. I I had, I drove my husband crazy. All the cycles. The poor guy was like my punching bag of everything. So you need to allow and journaling, writing, and all of that is very helpful for our job. Totally, isn't that? Um, you hit the nail right on the head, right? Because it is—it's the processing instead of holding the things inside that you think aren't pretty or you just don't want to deal with, like you push them deep inside, inside, they're just going to like sit in this box in there. They're not going away unless you actually feel them and let them go. Um, so it's kind of, I would love to chat a little bit about your planner. So tell me about the planner that you created. Okay. So the IVF planner was born from my own mess with all this IVF. You know, I used to go and take like a little, you know, the post-it notes, and take one little, you know, that and uh, for taking notes of my blood test or the numbers, I will have it close to my desk when the doctor call and tell me, you know, what is the amount of medicine that you need to put on me. And Chelsea, it was crazy. I always, I am terrible with with papers. They always get lost. And then I go nuts. I'm like, oh my God, what I do? So there was a bunch of things that I used to write and then the paper misplaced or lost or whatever. And I said to myself, but that was even after I had my baby, it was like, a, I start to think about what is the charts and the things that we can use in, in our fertility journey. Uh, I start to just I sit in the computer, start to tell my story, what IVF is, and I start to play with the word, design, charts, and all of that. Um, I create the planner. It has chapters. It has a chapter for, first, my story, what is IBF, how to recognize if you need to go to an IRE, um, how I can encourage you if you have a non-infertility to just try to conceive naturally, do challenges lifestyle. And then we jump into the process itself, what is the charts that you need, create the charts. There is even a chapter for the two-week wait that I have uh, explaining what is the two-week wait, uh, there is a chart there for uh, the numbers of every day that you can take from the calls of the doctor. There is a coloring mandala for each day and why. Because as I said, you know, it's like, it's, it's that part of the IVF that is a nightmare. is one of the most difficult, you know, you just want to that 14 days to pass and just hear that beta test is positive. But you know what happened then? If it's positive, it's, it's like even more stress because you 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 are scared that you're going to start to bleed. You go to the bathroom and pee, and you are like. So I found also that in art therapy, coloring, finding some kind of hobby that help our creativity. So what happened is that our pineal gland, which is the one of the crown chakra, opens to receive and help us to shift the mindset, even if we are in a bad place, kind of distract us from that and put us in a different place that we are more chill and relaxed. And what happens when we are chill and relaxed from something that encourages our creativity, everything comes. So whatever we have here is gonna be also kind of, so it has 14 mandalas. It has a, a, a space for journaling. Journaling means you can write how your day was. You can even write, today I feel like cheat. That's it. And it's so nice to write when you feel like crap. And then like, and let it go. That's how you say. And then I have acronyms, a chapter only for acronyms, because you know that there is so many acronyms like BFP. I didn't know what the heck was BFP, big fat positive, or, you know, PCOS, uh, endo, like uh, BFP, uh, two, the number two, WW, two with weight. So it's about 80 that I found. I have the chapter for the tax information and insurance information in the United States. Uh, for support groups with Resolve and all of that. Uh, notes to take when you go the first time for your for your RE, how to look for second options. It's like 127 pages, but it's it's so helpful. I wish that I was thinking to do it like in a binder because sometimes when you go through multiple cycles, you need extra information. And I have chapters for multiple cycles. I have a chapter that... What do you do when you have a big fat positive and your beta is positive and how to follow that? 
what is, you know, when it's negative, how to, you know, like to heal from that because the healing is a lot. And I am working on the second edition. I want to expand it a little bit, put uh, mandalas that they are more related to fertility, to, you know, to encourage women to manifest themselves, to see in themselves as a mother, as a present moment. Even if you don't have it, you know, if you don't have the kid, like treat what you want, what we want in life, we need to manifest it and like treat it like it is happening now. And again, I know that this can be triggering a little bit. So all the manual of my planner is like that. And I also will launch, hopefully, maybe in about two weeks or three weeks, I'm launching a only coloring book that's called Ranting Doodles. And it's only for fertility and it's related to it. So, you know, I, I had a wonderful illustrator that she painted like the sperm and the eggs in a cartoony way so you can color. So it's kind of putting your mind into what you are walking your journey with, but also in the creative mode. So yes, yeah, inspired me to do that. I love all of that. And I'm, I'm a huge, huge, huge proponent of the art therapy. I think it's like healing gets to be creative and fun and like doing all of like any kind of journaling, creating, painting, coloring, all of that really can help you process the emotions that you're feeling as well. Well, listen, you're what you're doing right now, having a podcast, bringing people to encourage others, that is art. That is art. This is the way that you find to cope with whatever you are doing. And it's incredible because it's what we said just in the beginning. You, you say, okay, I am here. I'm, I have endo and I'm having fertility issues. How I can use this? to help others. So how can I use this even for my benefit, which is what you're doing? Again, you know, most of the things and situations that happen in our lives and in the world, and remember this, I always I always tell people, remember this, are out of our control. We cannot control them. And that the fact that we, we feel that we cannot control a situation, it's giving us, you know, like the, the worst stress, it records on the start to be released in our body. Our immune system start to go there and tell them what the hell is happening. I don't like to feel like that. And then what happened is that because our body is looking into that, the rest of our body kind of feel weak because they're fighting that. So what we are doing, creating a mess in ourselves. So what we need to do is accept that the situations that we cannot control, they're just going to bring us crazy stress. So how we can do, what we can do, the only thing that we can do is, okay, accept, I can control this. So let me see how I can react or what I can do to just see that this is can, this can control and the way that I react is what is giving me my happiness. So let's see a, a silly example. It has nothing even to do with fertility, but IVF is not warranty as pregnancy. Yes, we enter into that journey with the hope, with the mind that it's going to work. But it's not warranty. And whatever is not warranty, it's uncontrollable. So what you can do, the only thing is that I can't control is how I react to that. Am I going to go crazy? So go crazy and then it's going to be very difficult, much more difficult than it is. Or... I'd rather say, okay, it's difficult. I know it's not easy. I know that there is a possibility of not getting pregnant the first time or even the second or even the third or even the 16, but I'm not going to give up. So let me see how I can do. That's the only thing we can do. And I always remind people. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Yeah, for sharing all of this. This was such a fabulous episode. I know women and people that are listening to this are going to get so much out of it. Um, is there any last little bit of something that you want to share with anybody, anything you want to leave people with? Uh, yes. Uh, one of the things that I want to share to anyone that is trying to conceive either naturally or either through IVF, uh, whatever your decision on finally become a parent, it's going to be make sure that is the right for you because it's coming from your inner voice. So if you are going through your, I don't know, X number cycle of IVF and you feel that you need a break to maybe give yourself time or something, do so. That doesn't mean that you are giving up. 
I even know people that decide, okay, that's it. We tried, we did our best. Let me live my life with my husband and I'm going to go and have fun. Never, that's my last message, never feel guilty for whatever you are going through in trying to conceive or become a parent. If you get pregnant naturally, wonderful. But if you can't, never feel guilty that your body is defective, that it's failing you, that you are terrible, or if you go through losses, stillbirth, or whatever, the, the crazy things and painful things that our journey can bring, don't feel guilty because guilt is bringing, more, it bringing us down. Our bodies are perfect. If we are walking this path, trust me, it's for a reason. You will find it. You found it. I found it. Take time. And whatever happens today, we never know the reason of why this happened in that right moment because that's how the universe or God or whatever you want to call, whatever you believe, make it. You will never know the reason of things that happen immediately. Trust me. That's the lesson in life, patience. So be patient with yourself. Accept yourself how you are. Look every day in the mirror and make yourself beautiful. Be grateful for the health you have. And again, manifest what you want as if you have it now. And if you want to cry, scream, curse, again, feel like shit. Because the only way to let it go. And make that message. Yes, I love that. <laughs> Thank you so much. So I'm going to um, put all of your links down below this episode. So if you're listening and you want to go follow her and learn more and chat with her, go ahead and click on those below the episode. And we'll also link the IVF planner if you are going through IVF and you are wanting to get one of those as well. Um, thank you so much, Monica. This was so much fun. And I yeah, will catch you on the next episode of the Echo Bay podcast. Thank you so much, Chelsea. It was a pleasure and an honor to be with you. Yes, bye. Bye. Oh, babe, thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I had so much fun and I'm so fucking grateful for every single one of you. If you thought that this was helpful or you loved any part of this podcast, I would love, love, love for you to screenshot it and post it on Instagram at Chelsea Bree, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-B-R-I and take me. I would love to see what you're getting out of the episodes. It makes me so happy. I would also love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that just helps other wonderful endo babes find me as well. I adore you and I believe that you don't deserve to feel like shit. You deserve to have a normal life despite endometriosis. So I love you so much and I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll catch you on next week's episode of the Endo Babe Podcast.